Amid Ignite is like, that's a church service. My God, that is like a religious experience. I need like the old timey fan with like the tambourine. Like he'd be the dude that like going to a Baptist church and be like, who's this cornball? And then he starts belting and it's like, oh, oh man, this, this white boy is anointed. <laughs> that whole album is so fucking good. Oh, like light a Roman candle. Oh, so you can understand why when the second fun album came out, why I was disappointed with it. And why I basically was like, this is fucking trash. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, some nights that album's okay. And you know what? It gets better, actually, because we are young. (laughs) Uh, boo. (laughs) (laughs) That's like, now friendship over. (laughs) Podcast canceled. (laughs) Just look up to the last episode of Talking Like a Teen. I was walking with the ghost. listening to Talking Like a Teen. I am Ashley. And I'm not Ashley. There you go. (laughs) See, we switched (laughs) up on you tonight. (laughs) So how are you, Adrian? Pretty good. I'm actually really excited about doing this. Not that I wasn't excited about like the other five episodes, (laughs) but I think this one is special only because I hope that my mental anguish was worth it. So I want to hear about your process in putting together your list, and then I will tell you about my process putting together my list. Okay, so a little backstory for you, the listeners at home. As often happens, texting actually throughout the day and just shooting the shit. So I don't know. I just had this weird idea because we were originally going to talk about, uh, what was it, Young Modern, the Silverchair album, which we'll still talk about. Don't worry about it. I have to commit to it before Ashley thinks I'm avoiding it. I a thousand percent think you're avoiding it, and it's fine. I'm not taking it personally. So, anyway. As of this recording, it is, like, early July. It's, like, the day after Fourth of July, Independence Day. Usually around this time of year, in the summer months, at least for me, like, in, I would say, the last handful of years, I tend to listen to more, like, punk-oriented stuff around the summer. But... That then led me to think about all of the songs that I would listen to over the summer for what? God, because we basically covered the whole decade from like 2001 to 2010. Yes. And given our ages, we realized that some particular shit that we were into doesn't quite overlap. So we decided to make like a five or six song playlist covering at least one song from each summer. So for instance, I have summer 2001 leading up to summer 2005 and you have what 2006 onward or is it no it was 2006 through 2010 and then i had two songs from 2007 that's right because then we had a bonus track which that bonus track thing fucked me up (laughs) so here's my process i was trying to make it i was trying to make it easier it was easier but i'm going to try to articulate this in a way that doesn't require a lot of like crying Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking 2001, I'm going through the years of like, okay, what album came out in the summer? Because I want to make sure it was actually an album that was released around the summer. Because there were some albums that I wanted to choose for each year, not realizing they came out much earlier that year and then also much later. Okay. So let's say, for instance, so 2001, there's a whole bunch of decisions and choices I wanted to make. But there were songs that I was listening to not realizing they weren't even from that year. So, like, let's say Newfound Glory Self-Titled. I wanted that to be my song for summer 2001 because I was still listening to it. But technically, that's 2000. So that was the first choice. So then I was like, oh, I have a song here. But then there would be another song that would also fit really well. So the main issue I had was paring down one song because I'm like, 2001... That was a clear choice. So that was good. 2002, I'm thinking, I honestly don't remember much about 2002, except that got really big into like 
classic punk like the Ramones and Sex Pistols and The Clash for some reason. But even outside of that, like I'm like, there's not a lot of stuff that came out in 2002. Everything came out in 2002. <laughs> and I'm like, damn, this is tough. So then, all right, 2003. This is even tougher because... Legit everything came out in Everything came out. And I was naming song after song, album after album. And so I came down to about, what, three or four songs for 2003? So then I was thinking to myself, the song I picked is one of my favorite songs and is responsible for like my entire internet handle. So I was like, all right, cool. I'm good with this. So then, which Eileen was like, well, what about Poison a Well? To which I just yelled, God damn it, I forgot about Poison a Well. <laughs> so this led me down this spiral of just being like, now I can't choose because with each year, I kept finding more songs like there's no way I could pare this down. But I think I did it. I'm happy with my list. But man, like when you really do a deep dive into the shit that you listen to, you realize there's no way you can really boil it down to one song per summer. So after a lot of crying and drinking, I came up with my list. <laughs> what was your process? So my process was I made a list in two minutes where I was like, okay, Dog Problems by the Format came out in 2006. I know I listened the fuck out of that album. Uh, 2007, the second Cobra Starship album, I listened the fuck out of that album. Boom. Uh, 2008, uh, Even If It Kills Me came out. Boom. Uh, 2009, there was an all-time low album that came out. I know I listened the hell out of that. And 2010, uh, Coheed. And then I was like, okay, I'm done. And then I, I was like, you know what? That feels like I didn't do enough work. <laughs> um, and I was like, these are all, this is all stuff that he'll know. And it's practically a Fueled by Ramen mixtape. So let me try and go back and find some stuff that you may not necessarily be as familiar with but would still be fun to talk about. Oh, see, I didn't do shit with that. And I tried that, but then I was like, didn't have to explain it. It would be much harder because this was the hardest part about this is do I go for the obvious, very Adrian choices or do I try to go a little inside baseball, a little more obscure and get on my like hipster D-bag shit about it? Um. Well, apparently I went kind of hipster d-bag i almost put kanye west on my list so at one point like i basically mm. was just like you know what fuck it <laughs> um, <laughs> but i didn't obviously as you are aware i mean it's college dropout but it's oh no <laughs> oh that's okay i almost chose brand new for 2003 and i was like oh no <sighs> i know i know jesse Lacey's mad problematic and and there's problematic all of that shit. <laughs> but in my heart of hearts, when it comes down to it, I will always prefer Brand New over Taking Back Sunday. Because that is the type of trash human being that I am. <laughs> and it's not even the fact that you would still listen to Brand New. It's the fact that to choose them over Taking Back Sunday. Brand New got bigger later than Taking Back Sunday. I think Taking Back Sunday peaked in like 2003. Whereas I think Brand New was 05, 06, 07. Which is weird because to me, latter day brand new, it just doesn't hit as hard as now. I mean, your favorite weapon that's kind of right up there with glass jaws. Um, everything you want to know about silence, where again, a little problematic, a little hard to listen to. This is um, yeah. and I get it. It's like that high school you're pissed about girls kind of shit, and at the time you're like, I feel this because there was a time where I felt it, and then once you're not in that, you're like. This is bad. Like, this is not a good thing to listen to because this is just making me upset. Yeah, but some of my favorite brand new songs are from that album. I mean, Logan, the government center still is like, still my jam. And anyone listening to this who's all like, fuck brand new, I'm sorry. I know it's that that one was a hard one to shake because I do like that song a lot. Brand new was one of those bands that I don't listen to a lot of super angry music. Like, that's just not, it's, it's just not within me, I guess. Like, if I'm in a mood, I, I tend to wallow in it versus, like, rage about it. But Brand New was one of those bands where I'm like, if I was pissed about something, like, that's what I would do. Like, I would fucking put on, like, Jude Law and A Semester Abroad and just, like, rage. Tell all the English girls <laughs> got American boy back in the stage. Yeah, and that song is, like, not really. Like, get really Fuck you, Jesse. Like, <laughs> that song's not even that angry. It's still catchy as hell. You know what it is? That album's not even angry. It's just shitty. 
It is just shitty. It's so petty. It's like, I hope the worst things happen to you and only you. I hope you fall down the stairs. I hope your kids never learn to read. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I hope you're like driving down some windy road when it's raining and your brakes give out. Yeah, but I can't tell you how many house parties that I've been to with all of my little, like, scene kid emo friends that have ended with all of us drunkenly singing, like, Soko Amaretto Live. See, and that was, like, that emo anthem. Like, everybody fucked with yeah. that shit. See, me, everybody I was more of, like, shit. a mixtape guy. Oh, no, mixtape fucking rules. Shit, I was about to start singing that crap. <laughs> <laughs> And I love how one of the lines is essentially like, not only did I hate being around you, but I hated how you hated like the Smiths and Morrissey. And now, of course, fast forward like, <laughs> like eight years. He fucking references his own band in that song. We should have known from the get that he was trash. Yeah, like, oh man, you don't like my band? Well, fuck you. And it's like, well, also Morrissey's racist trash now. So you know what, Jesse? Uh. I got a twenty dollar bill. Sorry. <laughs> um, how nothing from Deja and Tendu ended up on your list, I don't really know. Aside from the fact that it was two thousand three and everything came out in two thousand. I know, that and it's like as cool. judgy as you sound right now, I can't be mad because I said that about myself. There were so many choices: thrice, coheed. Fucking oh God, yes. every time I die, like two thousand three was just stacked with just bangers. Yeah. And I picked the noisiest shit I could find. You really did. That was a challenging listen for your girl. <laughs> so anyway, let's get into it. Um, you go first. So um, you're now we're starting with 2006 with you, right? Why don't we? Why don't we go in chronological order? Oh, so we're just talking about oh, with mine? Ah, okay. Yeah, we'll start with you. Because mine are sad and pathetic now, and I think about it. Because yours were like, yeah. I was jamming to yours. Mine are just like angsty as shit. Because I'm like, would we have been friends if we knew each other earlier? Uh, yeah, because I was really emo too. Don't even worry about it. All right, we would have so been we'll, cool. Okay, <laughs> we'll start with angst and end with a party. How about that? <laughs> All right. So 2001. This was tough because the song that almost made this list. And people are going to laugh is Good for a Woman by Alien Air Farm for the American Pie 2 soundtrack. <laughs> That's so cute. <laughs> I don't give a fuck who is listening to this. I fuck so heavily with Alien Air Farm. Smooth Criminal was cool, but the rest of the shit is awesome. And they've actually been consistently good throughout their very strange career. I don't know why I love them to death. And it's a shame that I feel like we did not respect them enough. No, we didn't. Um, because, like, movies was big. But that was it. It was movies and, like, Smooth Criminal. And that was about it. But, like, Calico, Wish, Whisper. Like, there were so many good tracks on it. Also, how many rock bands in the early 2000s were playing with a standing bass other than, like, The Living End? <laughs> Who are also great. Who are also great. Shit. Wait, what year did that come out? That might have been late 90s. So I, okay, never mind. It's fine. It's fine. Leave it. You cannot All right, change it. So your yeah, list that now. almost made the list because also American Pie 2, one of my favorite soundtracks, because it's just great. But I, I had to go with Blink 182. I was not mad about your choice of album. I was intrigued by your song choice. Cause like I guess like out of all of the songs off of that album, that song is fine in that like everything on that album is great, but it's just not one that I would have chosen, I guess. Because you know what it was? It's like, there were a lot of songs on that album that I liked. You know, of course, like First Date, Anthem Part 2, which I think we talked about at one point in the Blink episode that I swear is coming out at some point. Yes. Well, like, there aren't too many songs off of that album that I, like, don't listen to. But for some reason, Story of a Lonely Guy, like, and again, looking back, it feels like a stupid song like you know but at the time i felt that shit so heavily this okay. was the year of and this is that'll really embarrassing telling you stories this is the year of hey i'm into girl a not realizing that I actually was really cool with girl b and probably would have not even had necessarily like a romantic relationship with but in retrospect i was like oh shit she did like me didn't she that's the worst I don't, it was hysterical, and I'm not going to go through those entire stories, but 
when this song came out, I really did feel like the girl I was into, you know, doesn't like me back. And clearly that's it. Oh, darn. You know, you asshole. There's clearly this person here who digs you. You don't necessarily have to like be a thing, but you're not as bad off as you think you are. And of course, that's all retrospect and hindsight being 2020 and all. But I also think it's just a fun Tom song. Either he can go super emo or super weird with like aliens exist or something like that. Mm-hmm. But at least with this one, this one is a weird song because he's clearly much older than like, I think the subject of the song, but I definitely feel like this one is, sounds probably more personal than we thought it did. I think this song with the context of hindsight and being able to sort of put things in context with where Tom is now, um, I think it takes on a different tone, which is why I guess I was sort of taken aback a little bit that this was your choice. Where I was like, it's so sad. <laughs> Adrian, why are you so sad? I was also very sad, obnoxiously sad at this era. So it is just an interesting song because this album in general deals with a lot of rejection. Yeah. I feel like not really having a girl to go to prom with was sort of a smokescreen for maybe what the song's really about. Yeah, that they were trying to process other feelings through this whole, I don't have a girlfriend and that sucks kind of shit. Other honorable mention would have been Private Eye by Alkaline Trio, which now I'm kicking myself in the face for. Yeah, I'm surprised Alkaline's not on your list. I was an idiot and didn't think about it until I had already committed to this list because I would have been changing it like up until like the fifth. <laughs> You'd be changing it now. <laughs> right? It's like, hold on, I'm not done. <laughs> All right, so let's see. Cosmopolitan Blood Loss for my 2002 track Glass Draw. Now... Long before Coheed really entered, like, my conscious, it was really, Deftones was, like, my band and still is. Same with Foo Fighters. But Glassjaw is that band that I've always just loved. But, again, that first album I have to also recognize is really shitty <laughs> and high-key problematic, and I get that. So it makes sense that Glassjaw really does not play anything off of it. But this was that album that... You saw them experiment with not only sounds, but just vocals. And this really feels like their actual debut. I have to be legitimately honest with you. I know that I've seen Glassjaw like over the course of the years at like several warp tours and festivals and shit, but I don't know that much about Glassjaw at all. They're just not a band, I guess, that was ever on my radar. There's a kid who used to share a locker with the classmate um, in high school. This is, I think, sophomore year or junior year. I know he was also a big Deftones fan, but he also like had that was the era of, well, we can't really put stickers in the locker. So we'll just print out like band pictures, or album art, and then just like tape them to the inside of the locker. That is so cute. And it's like, oh, what band is that? Oh, that's like, and he's like, you don't know who that is. It's Glassjaw, man. It's like, all right, cool. So let me run home to LimeWire and, you know, or Kazaa knows. I think it was more Kazaa at this point. But Cosmopolitan Blood Lost is fun for a couple of reasons. One, this is definitely like side stage warp tour. And it also had that really ridiculous music video where like, they're playing in an alleyway and like Vincent Gallo, uh, the director, is just like walking through the streets, scowling at everybody. Then eventually he meets up with them and just like unplugs their uh, their amps. <laughs> um, shit, what was my honorable mention for 2002? The Ghetto Kids, which... Ah, uh, my heart. Again, it would have been sad because it would have been Stay Gone from On A yeah. Wire. That song is fucking sad. Dude, all Ghetto Kids is basically sad. Yeah, but that one's like not even like a fun sad. <laughs> <laughs> that whole album is just dark, man. Uh, what else also made it on that list? I'm Just a Kid by Simple Plan. Aw. I'm just a kid and life is a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking want I woke up, it was seven. <laughs> I think I got a lot of friends, but I don't hear from them. It's like, right. Let me stop making fun of Simple Plan. Fuck that. Like, they're, they're fucking awesome. Oh, man. One more thing, and you're going to kill me. The one song that also should have went on there for 2002, If You See Jordan. Dude, I fuck so hard with something corporate. I know, and I felt so bad leaving it off. Forgive me. Anyway, carry (laughs) on, please. Okay. When people talk shit about pop punk, I'm assuming that's what they think of. They think of Simple Plan. Everything that's sort of cringeworthy about pop punk is sort of distilled into this one kind of goofy band and they're fine i don't think i really dabbled in them much past that particular album 
But that's one of those when people are like, simple planet is trash. I'm just kind of like, yeah, that's probably accurate. I don't know if I can call them trash. I think it was just more of, it wasn't really saying a lot. And I'm not trying to shit on them because, you know what, they actually had a pretty decent career, all things considered. You know what it was? It was that pop punk that, like, you could listen to with your parents. Yeah, it felt like Disney Channel pop punk shit. Right, which in a weird way, I always kind of had an affinity for. But by the same token, you know, it it was very much a product of its time. Yeah. That was super embarrassing to admit that, like, I had to, like, leave that off. And that's fine. But something corporate actually really hurt. And so did Newfound Glory because Sticks and Stones. Oh, my God, Sticks and Stones. You and I were talking about Sticks and Stones earlier today. And instead of listening to your playlist a few more times like I wanted to, I ended up listening to that album. And that's totally okay. I am more than okay with you listening to more Newfound Glory, as well as everybody should. Head On Collision is like, I don't know what it is about that song specifically, but like if I were to make a a top 100 list of songs for me personally, like that would definitely be on there. I just fucking love that song so much. That whole album is great. It's so great. Something I call personality. Too many things came out that year. It was more or less. Yeah, story. like 2002, I honestly thought it would be the year I would be like, that's cake. We're good. And it's like, shit. Like, I remember all these all these hits coming out. God damn. <laughs> I see you 2002 over here with sneak attack. Like, surprise, motherfucker. <laughs> uh, let's see. So were we, what, 2003? 2003. I also would like to formally apologize uh, for making Ashley listen to the song. Actually, I'm not because the song is great. Anyone who thinks it sucks can kiss my ass. I didn't hate it. If Even if you despise it, that is okay, because of all the songs I got to pick from the album, this was probably the least accessible. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you can't see my face, but I've, like, stretched it out into a painful grin. <laughs> it's fine. And this is how I know you are a true friend, because I know some people who, if they would have heard this would have turned it off and threw, like, their CD player or whatever, like, across a lake or something. So, I can wholeheartedly admit, like, it's not for me. That being said, it was interesting. And the more the more I listened to it, the more I could sort of find things that were, like, interesting and sort of where I'm like, I wonder why they did that. But, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm not their target demographic. It's fine. Even at, like, their noisiest, there's still just something fascinating about them because there's a lot of bands who do screaming vocals that, to me, don't quite add up and you don't really need them under oath. Um, <laughs> it's worth the gun, you even hear me! <laughs> <laughs> like, why are you screaming when Aaron Gillespie has his great voice and he could drum his ass off? What the fuck are you doing? Anyway, even... sorry, this anyway. isn't about under oath. Um... <laughs> But, like, that song is just so, like, scattered, but it just brings in everything I love about them to the point where I just started attaching the name Hexagram to everything until it became my net handle. And here you are, 15 years later, still using it. Yeah, and even, like, the album art is just, like, this giant fucking just terrifying skull, but then there's just, like, roses in the background. And it just reminds me of everything why I love that band is because you just have all of this weird shit that shouldn't make sense, but it does. It made me think of a band that I hadn't thought of in fucking years. Um, It made me think of the Mars Volta in that I don't necessarily love all of the things that the Mars Volta does. (gasps) Um, It's, it's fine. (laughs) Um, I think, I think that's more my scene than Deftones, but the Mars Volta does all these just like weird little things that you can sit there and listen to a song five or six times in a row and still continue to find little things. And that was Hexagram for me. 2004, Ashley's favorite, Taking Back Sunday. They're fine. (laughs) No, they are great. I mean, I don't know. I haven't really listened to them as heavily lately, but they're still great. I listened to Tell All Your Friends not too long ago, and it was fine. Like, it was fun. It feels very childish and petty. Yeah, because both that and Your Favorite Weapon are just like these very big diss albums. Yeah. <laughs> but like, do you remember that time? Like, that was a fucking thing among like little emo kids. It was like 
Team Jacob, Team Edward before Team Edward and Team Jacob were a thing. I still like listen to both, and yet the songs that were directly about the other band were so good. I know. <laughs> so I was like, I can't be too mad. I mean, I'm sorry that you guys are going through this very petty beef, but you know what? How is it any different from like, you know, hip hop where we like some of like the best tracks were like diss tracks? That is really true though. Even though To All Your Friends is probably the more celebrated album. And I remember at the time when, like, you know, John Nolan and I can't remember the name of the bass right now had left, you know, and they were doing a Stray Light Run thing. Fucking love Stray Light Run. Oh, that would have been great, but I forgot what year that was. So, oh, well. It was 2006. Oh, okay, cool. So I'm good. I think it was 2006. Now I'm going to look real quick. Where You Want to Be, I just love this album. And also, it was just that nostalgia bonus of the year that this came out. Like, my sister and I would ride around and, like, sing this album, especially this photograph is proof. And I know I tell the story, like, way too much, but it's still one of my favorite memories is both of us pretty much tanked at her wedding uh, because we had karaoke, so we had to do this one. And honestly, it's hard to sing this album now only because since obviously my sister's in a whole other state, like I have to just sing Fred's parts and I have no Adam. And also Spider-Man 2. I forgot this was on a Spider-Man 2 soundtrack, a.k.a. the most emo soundtrack ever. <laughs> um, I think upcoming episode, we're going to talk about the Spider-Man soundtracks because they're all so good. That Straight Light Run album came out in 2004. So Fuck, you're the failure, I it. not me. <laughs> <laughs> Sing like you think no one's listening. Why are we on a train? Who's this weirdo guy? <laughs> oh Sing God. me something, some sad and Sing me anything. And everybody's like, why are we all just singing right now? What the fuck's happening? <laughs> oh, oh, man, that video is great. I'm fuck. I, I really do like that song so much. <laughs> that whole album was so good. Existentialism on prom night, bitches. Sorry. <laughs> Y'all don't know about that. That's real bars. <laughs> That's that real hip hop. You don't know about that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Newfound Glory. They didn't make the list. And I basically made a hot take that I don't know if I could back up and actually immediately shot down because she's better than me. Because I had said that Catalyst was the best album of Newfound Glory's discography. And I respectfully disagreed. That's all. Because what did you call Sticks and Stones, right? I called Sticks and Stones. But I also completely understand that a lot of that is nostalgia-based for me Well, yeah. I mean, both are. Like... Me and my two best friends driving around like my friend's mom's van, like yelling along to all downhill from here. And was this on one of the Tony Hawk games? Shit! Now I gotta think about it. I'll Google. Tell your story while I Google. And now it's time for another edition of the Wendy Nostalgia-filled ramblings of Adrian King in the segment we like to call Story Time. Here is your host, Adrian King. All right, so Story Time. All downhill from here, like. My best friend Will and our buddy Tom Darwin, we were we basically would like ride around, you know, hang out. And this song was like, I don't know, between it was like this Ocean Avenue and like, oh God, what was the one Slipknot song? Oh my God, you did not put Yellow Card on this list. I'm so disappointed. Don't, Ashley, you don't understand. I went through mental anguish just putting no. out. I, I completely understand, because that album also came out in 2003. Don't even worry about it. There's too much shit. Like, you had the easy years, because at least by the time I got to, like, 2006, I had a much more concise set of things I listened to. But, like, there was just hit after hit. And I didn't even go into, like, the super deep, because I could have put some starting line on this shit. You don't oh. even understand. Oh, my God. <laughs> starting line. My heart. My whole heart. You're also making my list for me when we flip it. Um, I'm not seeing anything about this being on a video game, but I'm, but I swear, I feel like this song was on a Tony Hawk game. You know why I love this album more so? I mean, Six and Stones is great. Don't get me wrong. If you want like good, like pop punk, like what's, what's, we need to find like a, a, a catch all like phrasing, you know, for people who are like, yeah, that's that real hip hop. We need that for pop punk. I need to find something for that. 
That's that pop punk shit. Yeah, like that's that real pop punk, not that simple playing watered down. You know, keys don't be in for shit. Like that's that real shit. Uh, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm sorry, but yeah, like if you want good pop punk, go to Sticks and Stones. But what was cool about Catalyst is it did that great marriage of like they did the fusion dance from like like a Dragon Ball of like pop punk but metal. Yeah. Because the riffs on this, honestly, this could have been like a Shy Hulud album. Shit's fucking hard. It's good. Like, this disaster, that intro, like, I want to start throwing up horns and just get in the pit. And, like, even, like, the verses of that song, if you didn't put in, like, the vocals or even, like, the super catchy chorus, you could throw down in the pit to this shit. And maybe that's why I like Sticks and Stones better. I really am, like, the portman to your read. <laughs> I'm just knocking kids over for no fucking reason. You're just like, I just like fire off these like massive fucking nuclear blasts of slap shots. But, you know, I'm quiet about it. (laughs) Uh, Bash Brothers. So your last song on this list is one that I didn't know because I definitely didn't listen to this Foo Fighters album at all. That's fair. As super popular as it is, either you liked them or you just weren't into them. Yeah, because I did The Color and the Shape, um, mm-hmm. Nothing Left to Lose, mm-hmm. and that was the last album that I remember being really into as far as the Food Fighters were concerned. One by One is fine. It's for somebody. It's not for me. It slaps harder than I thought. I actually listened to it last night. Like It still goes. Now, I mean, to be fair... That was a weird one, because actually even reading some of the trivia behind recording, like, it almost didn't happen. Basically, they tried to record the album, like, multiple times. Apparently, there's a version of the album that got scrapped. Um, Chris Shiflett was like, um, yeah, this isn't exactly a great first experience recording this, so I'm going to go hang out with my brother, you know, and play music in, like, Jackson United and, like, you know, me first in the Gimme Gimmies. Nice. Taylor Hawkins went to go, like, drum for, like... Ah, uh, somebody pretty notable. Like, it was actually pretty cool. You know, Dave did his, you know, Queens of the Stone Age shit. This almost didn't happen. And, like, he and Taylor, you get into a lot of fights. But this album, I get it because it's also a double album. I think, to me, this was, like, the last Foo Fighters album. And don't get me wrong, I'm still a massive fan. But this is, like, that last one that I remember going out of my way. Like, when I realized it was out, I was like, I need to go get this. Like, I need to buy this, like, today. And it was mind-blowing, and a tour for it was wonderful. And it's just a monster. But, of course, I'm me, so I pick, like, the saddest song off the first disc. (laughs) So, okay. There's two discs for this album. Right. Why? Like, is there a reason? So, Foo Fighters did something really cool with this and that I wish more bands did. So, like, you know, like, a lot of times with double albums, it's just, like, they'll just put the songs on there, and there's not really much of a rhyme or reason as to, like, where the tracks are placed. Yeah. As much as I love Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness, let's not get it twisted. That album, like, it jumps all over the place. Yeah, it's structured real weird. They put all of the heavy rock-oriented stuff on the first disc, and the second disc is all of, like, the stripped-down acoustic stuff. All right, I'm here for that. But they complement each other so well. Granted, I'm also just super biased, but I think that (laughs) both albums are great individually, but also together. I might have to give it a listen. So now we are in 2006. Yeah, it's about to get fucking scene kid heavy up in here. Yeah, and a lot less like dark and angsty. (laughs) I put you through some shit. (laughs) And now it's time to party. So 2006 was when a little band that I love immensely, um, The Matches, put out their second album, Decomposer. And the song that I chose from this album was Sunburn versus the Rhinovirus, which I knew that I wanted something from this album, but I didn't know what song to choose from it. I wanted to pick a song that sort of best showcased the album, but the songs are kind of all over the place. So that's one of those like easier said than done. 
I think this is about as close as you're going to get. It's weird. It's a weird song about having a head cold and how annoying it is to have a head cold. <laughs> but it's such a great start to this playlist. Like, even if you know nothing on this band, it just kicks off with this really just fun bop. Yeah. The, the guitar riff at the beginning of the song is very cool. And I just cannot say enough good things about the matches. They're a band that I've seen at least a dozen times. The lead singer of that band designed a tattoo that I have on my body. Like, I fucking ride or die with the matches. Wait, you have tattoos? Yes. I have oh, two. Oh, shit. Like, yeah. oh, the matches, no less? Nice. So the fun thing about this album was that each song was sort of produced by a different person. So each song kind of has a different flavor to it. I want to find out who produced this one. Because I feel like it's the dude from Rancid and I don't remember. I don't know, you would know more than me, because the only matches song that I can readily, like, recall is, like, Audio Blood. That is the matches, right? That is the matches. That's from the first album. Nope, I lied. Mark Hoppus produced this song. <laughs> oh, shit, go figure. <laughs> like, now that you say that, it makes total sense. He produced um, three songs off of this album, actually. The most it looks like out of anybody. So they enjoyed working with Mark. Mark's an awesome producer, by the way. I just want to point that out there. Yeah. I mean, come on. He helped give us commits to memory. How did that not end up on your list? Damn. That was the... No! <laughs> no! <laughs> Actually, goddamn. I thought that came out in 2006. No. Um... No! Why did anybody tell me I would have put that out there instead of Foo Fighters? What the fuck? No, hold on. Because I, I think it's 2004. <laughs> I, oh, no, the no. first one's 2003. No, because I could have put two albums. I could have put, like, I Am the Movie and or fucking yeah. Just a Memory. You definitely like, I could have put Capital H. You definitely could have put Capital H. No, okay. Oh. Commit This to Memory is 2006. Is it? Oh, okay. The Deluxe Edition is 2006. The OG version is 2005. I Am the Movie is 2003. Man, man, I really fucked this stuff. Oh, man. I also wow. thought My Dinosaur Life was 2011, which is why it didn't make my list. And now I'm disappointed to find out that it's 2010. But anyway, the matches, they fucking rule. If you've never listened to them, do so immediately. Start with Decomposer. If you like more pop punk, like regular kind of pop punk, because Decomposer is a weird album. If you like regular pop punk shit, then start with their first album. But check out the matches sean harris can sing his fucking face off all his dudes can play they're just a really good band and they occasionally get back together and tour and it makes me really happy every time that they do i did two songs for 2007 one of them is about st louis and one of them is from a st louis band <laughs> nerd that is accurate uh, <laughs> love you <laughs> so the junior varsity i fucked with this album and i think i fucked with the album before it but i don't remember them very much were they on like victory or something they were or am i thinking of the audition i don't know i thought the audition yeah they yeah. okay they were in victory records so who's the audition on were they also, also on victory i okay. believe <laughs> It's just that there was a time, especially 2004, where I listened to Victory Records, like, exclusively. Like, them and, like, Trust Kill <laughs> and, like, Ferret. So, you you, you kind of know where my head was at around that year. <laughs> well, and then me, I'm like, what about The Hire? The Hire was on Epitaph, though. Epitaph and Fueled by Ramen. You were, like, that weird Epitaph era where they were all, like, bright colors and shit. Yeah. And that was around a time where I'm like, man, Epitaph sold out. Look at them with these <laughs> pop punk bands in her MXPX. Like, what the frig is this? <laughs> I saw MXPX with Jim Class Heroes. So the Junior Varsity released a song called St. Louis. It is about how the lead singer, whose name I do not remember offhand, um, got shitty fucking wasted in East St. Louis and got arrested <laughs> and thrown in the drunk <laughs> tank. And you wrote a song about it. Um, <laughs> and I saw them in St. Louis like two or three times. And each time they play the song, the place would fucking go nuts. It was very cool. And this is just one of those songs that like, I just picture drinking with my friends. 
So it's just like summer for me was was very much like getting together with my friends and consuming too much alcohol and shenanigans ensuing, especially during this time. I mean, that's actually a really good drinking song, though. Yes, because it's not very complicated. <laughs> you get the chorus and stuff very easily. And the song's only two and a half minutes long, but by the end, you pretty much know the words and you can sing along with it. And it's fine. Ludo is kind of on the opposite spectrum of that, where like Ludo songs are so fucking dorky and the lyrics are so complicated and ridiculous that like you've got to fucking commit. <laughs> yeah, this was a weird song because then when it started going, because like the kids in the room, and I'm like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, it's not nice. Sorry. <laughs> But it was like, you ever just listen to something off your phone or even in a car? Like, you're just kind of riding along, and then all of a sudden, something just makes you look at the radio. It's like, wait, 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 what did you just say? Yeah. <laughs> that was that. Like, I'm not, wasn't offended in the least bit, but it was still more like, okay, was not expecting that to be where the song was going. Okay. <laughs> they used this song in some promos for House. What? Yeah, that was about as big as Ludo got. I mean, that's cool for them, but I don't I don't think I, I would make that connection automatically. Oh, no, not at all. It's just fucking weird. Um, and I don't remember, like, what season of House it was to even be like, well, it makes sense of the story because, because um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't blame you, but still, like, it was a good song. Granted, I know you talk about Ludo a lot, and yeah. I feel bad because I had every intention of checking him out. And this was the first time I did. And it's like, okay, I can see how this is a thing. Like, I could hear the song live and would really enjoy it. Um, Ludo is a great band to see live. They're very fun. They do a lot of, like, dressing up in costumes on stage and, like, just doing goofy stuff. A lot of, like, audience participation stuff. And that's shit that is very fun for me. Because, like, I can listen to a fucking live album if I want. If I want to just hear what a band sounds like live. For me, like, a concert is more about the experience of it. So, like, things like that make it feel a little less like I'm wasting my money. Oh, this next one. This was my shit. I really like this next one. I'm so happy that you actually knew who these guys were. I didn't, but I really enjoyed it. <laughs> oh, okay. So, you are aware of the Strokes and basically, like, how they're kind of just, like, rich kid royalty that decided to put together a band and it turns out they're actually, like, musically talented. Yeah, it's kind of how I feel about Vampire Weekend. <laughs> I love Vampire Weekend. Shut your face. McFly is kind of the British version of that. It's like they also kind of came from well-off families and were very young when they became successful and did sort of the same thing that the Strokes did, where they kind of brought some people up with them, um, like Busted is a band that they helped make big. I chose Going Through the Motions from Radioactive, which is their third album. Yeah, this was really fun. I like this so much. This shit fucking bops. It's so good. McFly is one of those bands where I think they dabbled in some Disney Channel pop punk shit. I think I may have remembered them from that. Because it definitely sounds like something that would definitely be of that ilk. And no shade, I'm just... No, not at all. I think the album prior, Motion in the Ocean, was more poppy than this one. So this one rocked out a little bit more. But this whole album was just really good. And 2008 was a time for me where I had purged my giant group of friends and only had a, a very small, very close-knit group of friends. And we would just, like, get together and hang out all the time. And McFly was one of those bands that we listened to a lot. So this album has a lot of nostalgia sort of built into it for me personally. And I think 2008, 2009 was where I started to sort of drop off from, like, pop punk proper and started dipping into more, like, indie rock shit. And there was a time... And I tried to sort of show this in the next two songs. There was a time in between scene kid me and like full on hipster bullshit me where I was like, electronica is bullshit. And I hate that stuff and fuck drum machines. And like some of the stuff that is still accurate with me now, but where I was just like, if they don't play real instruments, I don't want to hear about it. It ended up being me basically pretending like I didn't like a lot of shit. <laughs> Where it was my friends being like, 
uh, Yaysayer and the Toon Yards are great. And me being like, no, this is garbage. Oh, yes, Yaysayer, let's go. What are we doing? <laughs> um, only to like have to admit like two years later that Yaysayer is fucking brilliant. So 2009, I picked a song from the first fun album called Benson Henches. I already said what I said about it, so I'm not going to necessarily go back to it. But my God, this whole album needs to just be recognized, respected, and just given retroactive awards. Nate did the damn thing on this. (laughs) So you didn't listen to the format, yes? I went back to them after discovering fun, after Amy Ignite came out. This album, to me, is another format album. Like, this is the last format album. Just because it feels like the spiritual sequel to Dog Problems. Fucking Nate Roos. My dude. You can sing your goddamn face off. You didn't have to go at it that hard. It didn't require all that. Like, you could have toned it down at least by, like, a good, like, 60% and still been great. Yeah, and it still would have fucking rocked hard. Nate Roos and Brendan Urie are two guys from my generation of male singers where I'm just like, damn. I, I just, like, cannot believe the vocal talent on those two dudes. It's unnecessary. Like, you didn't, they didn't have to do it like that. God, New Panic sucks so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I do not like it, but it's not for me. That's also been the weird realization, is that, like, bands that I grew up with are now making music that's not for me anymore. I am not their target demographic. They're making music for the kids, and I'm not the kids anymore. Yeah, well, like, we're not the kids. Oh, God. Like, are we washed? Like, is this is this it for us? Are we now, like, with the kids, like, oh, you don't, y'all don't know new music. Let, let, me, let me crank up this power more. All we know is falling real quick. Like, that emergency flow. Like, you, you don't know about this. <laughs> but I don't know about this. <laughs> I don't know. I sat down to play video games this afternoon and fell asleep. I just keep falling asleep randomly. I think I'm dying. Mortality is fucking hard. I'm 32. I'm gonna die. Uh, You're not gonna at least at least make it 33. For such a long time, because I was such a weird like teenage kid, I was insistent that I was not going to make it to 27. And then I made it to 27, and I'm like, well, mission accomplished. I don't. Yeah, now you're doing podcasts with this weirdo. See. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I miss fun a lot. I do miss fun. And I just miss Nate in general. Like, I was hoping fun would have at least done, like, that Back to Basics album and, like, you know, showed the kids what's what, you know? Yeah. Give me Am and Ignite Part 2, please. Like, the main reason why I fuck with some nights is because if you look past all of the slick production, there's still some great, like, harmonies and shit on that. Oh, hell yeah. And it's still a good album. It's just some of the choices that are almost purely production-based are just not for me. Like, you don't need to fucking auto-tune Nate Roos. Get the hell out of here. You really don't. And I'm not trying to necessarily, like, speak for him, but I feel like that might have just been some bad advice. Like, as if somehow he himself wasn't enough to, like, you know, get the kids going. But I'm like, you didn't hear all that production when you did that one track with Pink? So what was the... I I kind of wonder because the format lasted a long time and then fun happened. And I wonder if he just sort of was like, look, I've been at this music thing for a long time. It's time for me to make some fucking money. Because I mean, like those bands had been moderately successful, but like in the way that like indie shit is successful. Right. And I get that because, you know, in the years in which this stuff was like prevalent to me, you know, when bands did that, I was like, oh, look at them. Like, you know, what happened to artistic integrity? And But now I'm like, shit, like, you know what? If you can, Make that money. Yeah, like, I mean, there's no retirement plan in this. So if you can make a one-off album that's like a top 40 hit and you can bank some of that, like, go ahead. We'll be here until you can get back. That's why I get pissed off at these people that insist that hockey players should take hometown discounts and shit. I'm like, These athletes have such a limited window to make the majority of their income. Fucking let them get paid. I don't know if that comes with maybe age and just experience, but once you're broke enough, you're like, shit, like, I'm about to drop, like, a top 40 hit. Who am I getting on my track? Right? 
Like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm literally about to just email Uzi for it. I'm like, look, you want to just do a feature? I don't even know how to do this. I don't even have a music career. Like, I got, like, a copy of, like, MTV Music Generator on PS1. Like, we can maybe fuck around with that. Like, a little couple of trap beats. I played that Spice Girls game back on PS1. I can do this. Right? <laughs> That's what we need to do. Fuck around. We need to just come up with our own pop punk album. There you go. I can learn three chords on a guitar. Oh, who said anything about playing? I just thought we were just going to sing. <laughs> oh, I could learn three chords on a guitar. All right. Well, we'll do it for the live performance. Like, that'll be the shoot down acoustic, but it's like, fuck it. Like, <laughs> yeah. People have done far less and got much further than us. So, you know what? Fuck it. Let's, let's get some of this. See, you heard it here first. Look out for our new trap album. <laughs> 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 hey, little Nas X has proved that you can you can merge that fucking pop punk shit and trap and it's kind of fire. So unless something wild happens, like between now and when this comes out, I am like so proud of that kid. He's sort of become like my new favorite thing on the internet, a place that is full of like darkness and hopelessness. He's just like this like shining little beacon of just like adorable light where I just want to hug him, tell him he's doing a good job. It really is punk and as much of just doing, like, whatever the fuck. Like, he comes out with, like, this weird single that, like, country didn't want, but then he's, like, blazing. Like, it was funny because the other night I was on Spotify. Um, and you know how they have, like, the top 50 charts of, like, different countries? Uh-huh. Like, Bolivia, Bulgaria, Uruguay, like, all these places. One of the songs that's basically on all these is, like, Old Town Road. And it's been, like, what, number one? <laughs> Like, since it fucking came out or some shit like that. Like, uh-huh. and much like Drake, Taylor Swift, like these established artists who have been around much longer, he's kept them at bay. And, you know, having a number two singular album is nothing to sneeze at by any means. But, and then when the EP dropped, people were like, all right, it's going to be something whack. And it's like, oh shit, this is actually kind of low key brilliant. No, it's dope as hell. And then come out as this, like, gay black kid at the end of Pride, knowing full well the shit that would get thrown his way is, like, awesome. Just basically just being himself and just not even being bothered by all the dumb shit. (laughs) He posted a picture on Twitter yesterday of him and Gordon Ramsay making paninis. Like, come on. This is is the internet content that I am here for. I know it's shallow, but... No, because it's like, he's just having so much fun. He's not hurting anybody. He's not talking shit. And no. even when he does, like, roast, like, his detractors, it's such a, like, well-meaning, just, like... It, it's almost yeah. Canadian as much of, like... I'm not going to sit here and curse you out, but I'm just going to basically make you feel bad by just not giving a shit. He's just such a sweet little kid. Ah, uh, my heart. Oh, but we forgot your last one, which this one I hated to like because, you know, I feel about Arcade Fire. Yeah, but this song bops. It did. (laughs) It did. And I hate that it did because, funny enough, when Benson Hedges came on and I was jamming to that, next song kicked in. I didn't even think about what the next song was. Like, oh, this is cool. What did I actually put on this list? It's like, Arcade Fire? Like, I feel like I got tricked. Yeah, well, this is Sprawl 2 from the Suburbs album. So, you know how, like, Every person in the world had Stronger from Kanye West on their iPod and nothing else from Kanye. This is kind of the Arcade Fire version of this song. But it's still a good song, though. It's so good. I like it a lot. This whole album is really great. I enjoy it immensely. I think I can enjoy it now because I don't have, like, every magazine or every, like, account online telling me how important it is. Now I can just listen to it. And I'm like, you know what? I can fuck with this. This was around the time in which I was like, all right, fine. Your electronic hipster shit is really fun, and I like it, and I want to join this party. Can I join this party, please? And Arcade Fire was one of the first bands that kind of let me join that party, but still feel some like righteous vindication that I wasn't completely wrong. And I will say this. Shout out to your playlist, by the way. Even though these are songs from like a five-year span... It still has a great flow to it. I have made my fair share of playlists. I did too, but then I got mine. (laughs) I could have went for a theme, and I could have went for ones that would have definitely flowed better, but I needed something to express just how weird the shit I listen to is, and just the fact that it doesn't make any sense. Like, it's connected, but it's disconnected. Yeah. 
I did not have fun with this, but I had a lot of fun with this once it was done. <laughs> and I know you were all like, this is so fun and I'm so excited. And then you're like, I didn't have fun with this. I'm like, oh no, like I killed you. I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't haunt me. No, because I was talking to you as I was doing this. I legitimately like went into my closet and pulled out binders of mix CDs that I had made from this time. I was trying to get them to play on my laptop and the disk drive wouldn't work. I literally took CDs out to my car trying to just sort of remember, like, what was I actually listening to? Yeah, because a lot of the songs that I had, I thought came out in a particular year or at least within that same year. turns out they were earlier and later. I was like, shit, I thought I could use this and I can't. Well, and there was shit that probably came out in 2010 and I didn't become hip to it until 2012. Like, that happens. But I tried to find things that were from that year that I knew I'd listened to around the time they came out. Like, I remember waiting for the Ludo album to come out. I remember when the McFly album came out and my friend and I, like, downloaded it and he, like, burnt copies for me and everyone that we knew. I remember waiting around after the format broke up and hearing that Nate was going to be doing a new project. I remember waiting for Aim and Ignite to come out. But we really need to do this again and I guess we'll swap decades? Yeah, we'll track our earlier and later trajectories. I think I started a preliminary list of the later years, and I went more themed with this one. I was listening to a lot more varied shit, but yeah. I figured with this one, I'm going to go more with the theme, so it'll feel less disjointed and, and there won't be any more hexagram freakouts. <laughs> you don't have to tailor it to what I listen to. It's fine. You know me. No, I'm trying not to also, like ruin people's lives because i get it there's some things that you're just not into boy are you gonna have some fun bop into all of the early 2000s pop punk bullshit that i was into bring it challenge accepted it's gonna be good i really enjoyed this like once i got over all the heartbreak of the shit i should have put on this list <laughs> so before we close out if you could put a Tegan and Sarah song on your list, what Tegan and Sarah song would you put on your list? Oh, let's see. Well, I mean, come on. The choice is obvious. It's got to be Monday, Monday, Monday. Matter of fact, I think that technically came out 2002. Yes. Yeah, that was 2002. So I could have put that on there. I mean, to be fair, oh, it came out in August. I could have used it. <laughs> no. It's okay. That's why I asked. <laughs> I no. had a Tegan and Sarah song and then I took it off. So so what are we doing? What are we both doing? <laughs> we made a mistake. We didn't make a mistake. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, come on. Considering the fact that I was the kid that come finals would like cut class and then go to the cyber cafe and play Battlefield 1942 and listen to <laughs> Tegan and Sarah. What, what was I doing? That's like, okay, so you're going to be a true one up until a point, but you're still going to listen to, like, Tegan and Sarah? Like, oh, man, I was a weird kid. It's okay. So, yeah, Monday, Monday, Monday. Like, that was my gateway song. So what would you pick for one of yours? Um, I had Hell from Sainthood on my list for a very long time. Shit, that might actually be crap. Did I have that on my 2009 list? Fuck, I think that actually was. Or All right, well, crap, now I can't use it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had Hell, and then I switched it for Benson Hedges. I had the format, and then I, I changed out the format for the matches, so. No, we need Tegan and Sarah doing a cover of Benson Hedges. That's what I want, and, uh, no, I don't want that. I want Tegan and Sarah doing a cover of Be Calm. So for mine, all right, if I had to choose, definitely not Hexagram. <laughs> I don't even know what they would do. They would just look at you blankly. I think, you know what, though? I Can I be an asshole? Be an asshole. I, I'm going to pick a hexagram because I want to see how they turn that into a Tegan and Sarah joint. Because I feel like they could do it. I don't know where you begin. Like, I almost want to message them. It's like, hey, um, do you think you can do a cover of this as they block me? <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know what? All right, I kid. All right, you know what, then? I got to do this photograph as proof, like Taking Back Sunday, because obviously between both their vocals, I think they would nail that song, like a nice, cool acoustic version of that. Yeah, I'm here for that. If your playlist doesn't have Red Belt on it, I'm disowning you. First off, see, Ash, <laughs> I had it on my list. Stop reading your, okay, 
Who are you? Where did you come from? I contain multitudes. Don't worry about it. Because that's my... All right, that's it. Good night. That's You fucked it up. <laughs> Yay, I ruined everything. Have a good night, guys. We'll see you later. Bye. I was walking with the ghost. For more great podcasts, visit adrianhasissues.com.